0: This free program is paid for by the listeners of Redwood Community Radio. If you're not already a member, please think of joining us. Thank you. This free program is paid for by the listeners of Redwood Community Radio. If you're not already a member, please think of joining us. Thank you. This free program is paid for by the listeners of Redwood Community Radio. If you're not already a member, please think of joining us. Thank you. This free program is paid for by the listeners of Redwood Community Radio. If you're not already a member, please think of joining us. Thank you. This free program is paid for by the listeners of Redwood Community Radio. If you're not already a member, please think of joining us. Thank you. Well, welcome to this month's Ask Your Herb Doctor. My name is Andrew Murray.
1: My name's Sarah Johannesson Murray.
0: Uh, for those of you who perhaps have never listened to our shows, which run every third Friday of the month from 7 to 8 p.m., we're both licensed medical herbalists who trained in England and graduated there with a degree in herbal medicine. We run a clinic in Garberville where we consult with clients about a wide range of conditions, and we recommend herbal medicine and dietary advice. Uh, This month we wanted to continue exploring the positive role that sugar has to play in the diet and why good sugars are essential for good health. It seems that many things uh, we're told are bad for us, are actually beneficial, and we need to see the facts and the research that's out there. So with an ever-increasing worldwide prevalence of so-called diagnosed diabetes, what is it about sugar that we can defend? Uh, We're excited to have Dr. Ray Peet with us again this month, and we'll be hearing from him on scientific research-based facts. So you're listening to Ask Your Eb Doctor on KMED Galbaville 91.1 FM, and from 7.30 till the end of the show at 8 o'clock, you're invited to call in with any questions, either related or unrelated to this month's topic of dietary sugars and the protection they offer. The number here, if you live in the area, is 923-3911, or if you live outside the area... The toll-free numbers one eight hundred KMUD RAD. So, Dr. P, thank you for joining us again. Hi. Okay. Well, as always, I think there's uh, new listeners, people that perhaps have never heard you speak. So, uh, would you please just introduce yourself and your academic uh, slash professional background?
2: Oh, um, I've been um, writing a newsletter on health issues for about thirty years, and. Uh, I started that uh, about eight years after finishing my Ph.D. research at the University of Oregon. Um, uh, part of the reason for starting my own newsletter was seeing that the um, journals, science journals, are very doctrinaire and influenced by industry. So, uh, since doing my uh, study at the University of Oregon, I've been. Uh, reading lots and uh, experimenting some on my own.
0: Okay, all right, thank you. Um, I know that uh, you've published many articles uh, and your specialisms are are hormones, uh, pregnenolone, estrogen, um, protective hormones, the uh, things that we'd normally uh, would confer some protection to people from aging and free radical damage, etc. But uh, your other specialties are thyroid and polyunsaturated fats and uh, I know you've done a lot of research on that. The um, sugar issue, uh, again, I know we were joined, uh, you joined us rather, sorry, last month, uh, and we got uh, some of the way through uh, expanding on why sugars are good for you. Because uh, as you mentioned earlier in your introduction, the uh, common doctrination is that that, uh, sugars are bad for you, just like salt is bad for you, uh, just like uh, saturated facts about you, and that is the doctrine. It, it seems that, and I'm finding out as time goes by, for me, because I'm not, I'm not that old, uh, that actually a lot of the things that I was taught when I studied at university are actually not true. Um, unfortunately, some of the basic facts that underlie the physiology were also in error, and that's uh, I've had to kind of retrain my brain to think anew. So for those people that are listening now, and some of those people will be diagnosed as diabetic um, some of those people will be diagnosed as uh, hypothyroid or hyperthyroid, and um, so for those people that are listening, in terms of sugar and the way it's been, um, yeah, it's been bad pressed in the last twenty years or so, um, and they would have us eat less sugar.
2: Well, that actually started about 200 ago, <laughs> okay, anyway. two hundred years ago. There you go.
0: <laughs> okay,
2: good. All right, well, that's a good start.
1: So what's the history behind why we started being told that sugar was bad for us 200 years ago?
2: Um, At that time, they had defined diabetes as the sugar disease because they discovered glucose in the urine. And the mechanically thinking doctors said, um, if you don't put glucose in, it can't come out. (laughs) But... Uh, In fact, the glucose was being produced by dissolving the protein in the person's body. And uh, it turned out that the worst thing you can do is to uh, starve them for sugar because that accelerates the breakdown of both protein and fat. And uh, two doctors, at least in the 19th century, went against that uh, conventional opinion and uh, uh, started giving their patients the amount of sugar extra in their diet that they were losing in the urine, figuring that they would die more slowly uh, from diabetes. And uh, they found that they actually recovered very quickly. And uh, that curative effect of large amounts of, of uh, sugar have been fairly recently. Uh, demonstrated in um, animal experiments and in vitro experiments, in which sugar stimulates the regeneration of pancreatic insulin-producing cells.
0: Okay, so um, a basic question: and do humans need sugar?
2: And yes, you know, um, monkeys, for example, uh, who normally live on on a fruit. Uh, they found that when fruit is scarce, they develop very high cortisol levels, and uh, that is something that pretty much happens in in any animal that habitually has a mixed diet containing carbohydrates. Uh, some animals, like like uh, reptiles, can uh, get along nicely on on a protein diet, uh, and we can turn protein into uh, sugar, too, sugar and fat. But it happens that the um, one of the effects of the sugar is to inhibit the cortisol, which uh, turns protein into sugar, so we uh, spare protein, don't have to eat so much of it, and uh, that has some beneficial effects. Uh, the, the cortisol has many side effects other than breaking down the um, tissue proteins at the same time that it helps to digest protein foods uh, it it changes the uh, the whole arrangement of, of the way that metabolism works so it's better if we can minimize cortisol and um, the sugars also inhibit the, the chronic release of free fatty acids from storage uh, so that our body, our brain in particular, and uh, some tissues such as the red blood cells uh, strongly prefer um, sugars over fats and uh, function better. And when we get enough sugar, we inhibit the release of fats from storage and allow these tissues to have all the sugar they need.
1: So it's basically a backup mechanism. When you don't eat sugar, your body will get the sugar from your protein, your muscles, your bones, your brain. uh, Well, not only your, um, the cortisol stimulated dissolves, can dissolve various organs that will then release different free fatty acids and or um, proteins that, the body will convert into sugar. So that's a less preferable backup mechanism. Is that what you're trying to describe, Dr. Pete? Um,
2: yeah, and uh, the famous Arctic explorer, uh, uh, I forget his, his name, uh, Bill Yalmer, uh something, um, reported that uh, people that he, he knew their ages approximately seemed to be many years older by appearance than they really were, and uh, he, he didn't exactly know what the cause of that was, but um, they were eating a mostly fat and meat diet, and when people uh, try to lose weight by uh, fasting, what happens is uh, for a day or so, their cortisol is still high um, and their metabolic rate is fairly high, and so what they're living on temporarily is a meat diet as they dissolve
1: Themselves. Their, their muscles
2: <laughs> and and uh, uh, fat and uh, the uh, thymus gland is one of the first to be dissolved. And since we would eat ourselves up in just a, a two or three weeks if we kept eating at the same rate, our M- metabolic rate slows down drastically under the influence of these free free amino acids liberated from our tissues. And um, those turn the thyroid hormone off. The falling blood sugar and the rising uh, free amino acids and free fatty acids, all of these uh, turn our metabolic rate down. And uh, then we can get along on a very low calorie intake, but um, it slows down uh, reproductive function, brain function, everything.
1: So basically, fasting is the worst thing you can do if you're trying to lose weight.
2: Um, yeah, or pretty much anything, because uh, fasting uh, turns off the liver's ability to detoxify things. Uh, so you're exposing yourself to increased toxins rather than decrease. Uh, the only thing that benefits is the intestine from uh, not putting bad stuff
1: into it. Right, it gives the intestine a break, but in, in the meantime, you harm your liver and uh-huh. and other organs.
0: Okay, so in in terms of sugar, as a as a, a quantity to consume, um, it's uh, I've heard that uh, you've said I think before 170 to 250 grams of sugar per day. Is that is that correct?
2: Yeah, I think for a person of normal activity and uh, eating mixed foods,
1: that's... So let's just discuss some of these sugars and which ones are good sugars and which ones are bad sugars.
2: Uh, Lactose has a lot of special properties, so it's a very good sugar. It's somewhat slowly absorbed, but it it stimulates digestion, so... uh, It's something that people often overlook as a sugar. Um, It helps with the calcium metabolism absorbing the the other nutrients in milk. Um, Sucrose consists of of one unit of glucose and one of fructose. And uh, that is fairly quickly uh, broken into the components when we eat it. And the glucose... Stimulates insulin, and uh, when they're eaten together, fructose, b- besides not itself stimulating insulin, it actually slightly inhibits the release of insulin. Um, so, if you ate pure glucose, you would get a stronger insulin reaction. And in most situations, if you eat slightly faster than you're metabolizing, A surge of excess glucose is going to turn on your fat metabolism and so when you take sucrose uh, with a little bit of um, the the fructose component it will uh, moderate the secretion of insulin and the the production of fat depots
1: okay because if something stimulates insulin if a sugar stimulates insulin production then your liver's not happy, and you store that sugar as fat. So we want to be eating the types of sugars that don't strongly stimulate insulin so we can use the sugar in our liver and stimulate metabolism.
2: And uh, surprisingly, the fructose, besides moderating the production of fat, which can lead to stress and so on, uh, it does many other uh, things. It raises your temperature. Um, by a variety of mechanisms uh, which all by itself will increase your metabolic rate and it increases your consumption conversion to energy of carbohydrate by about twenty percent and uh, it'll do that even in a fairly small amount but uh, with sucrose you have a, a 50-50 ratio and um, it. Activates uh, several components of the thyroid system uh, better than than glucose even. Uh, Glucose is pretty essential for keeping the thyroid functioning optimally, but uh, fructose does uh, some extra things that uh, cause it to raise your temperature and metabolic rate more than glucose alone would.
1: So the foods that these sugars are found in are fruits primarily
2: mostly fruits Mm -hmm.
1: mostly fruits and honey and white sugar are also um, have a little bit of fructose in them as well yeah so then when you're looking at the glycemic index dr. Pete how would you describe this to people who are familiar diabetics looking at the glycemic indexes how would you describe why they should eat fruits and honey, and stay away from any kind of starchy carbohydrates. Like uh,
2: 30 or 40 years ago, there was quite a, a bit of uh, publishing activity uh, relating to the uh, anti-diabetes effects of fructose, because exactly of that uh, stimulating effect on the metabolism. But um, something is happening uh, currently. The last three or four years. Uh, besides forgetting all of that, they're inventing a lot of new stuff to direct people away from uh, the anti-diabetic effect of fructose. Um, the um, Supposedly some of the motivation of that is the popularity of what they call the high fructose uh, corn syrup or corn sweeteners. And uh, those are... Uh, more fattening than sugar, but it isn't because they are actually high in fructose. Uh, they have slightly more fructose than glucose but uh, a group in uh, Los Angeles a few weeks ago um, measured the amounts in some soft drinks and found that they accurately reported the the content of, of uh, fructose and glucose but when they hydrolyzed the material, they found that there was a much more carbohydrate in the drink than just the fructose and glucose. Uh, there was about four to five times as much uh, cal- caloric value in some kind of carbohydrate present in the drink uh, that was not glucose or fructose. So if you have... Four or five times more uh, food in your uh, soda pop than than you were thinking you 're uh, going to be more likely to get fat, not because fructose is fattening but uh, just because you 're getting a huge amount of uh, pretty much the equivalent of eating flour. Hmm.
1: So a huge amount of starch that strongly stimulates insulin, and insulin stores that starchy sugar as fat. Mm-hmm. Whereas if it was actually sucrose from white sugar, then it would be much easily, much easier for your body to store as glycogen in the liver. Yeah. So and there's lots of other reasons why. I know corn syrup is a little bit of a hot topic right now, but um, there's also been reports that um, high fructose corn syrup is, quite high in heavy metals, various heavy metals. Have you heard any of this research, Dr. Pete?
2: Um, yeah. Uh, there, uh, A few years ago, some samples were analyzed, and then the uh, government decided to drop it as soon as they saw that uh, they were full of mercury. Uh, and then the uh, industry supposedly corrected itself, but the government isn't keeping up
1: on it. Well, I've noticed that a couple different um, soda pops now are being advertised that have sugar mm. rather than the corn syrup. The Pepsi, the Honeydew, and the Co- uh, the Mexican Coca Cola. <laughs> Coca Cola needs to make a new Coca Cola for America.
2: <laughs> yeah, I I heard that the Coke company was suing the Mexican branch to make them stop using sugar because huh. so many Americans were importing it.
0: She was <laughs> fighting back.
1: And I <laughs> spoke to the. A late a chemist that w- tests products in mexico and she said that the mexican coca-cola in mexico now i don't know if that's the same stuff that gets imported here but the mexican coca-cola in mexico w- will have sugar sometimes and corn syrup other times so it's not if you're drinking coca-cola in mexico you're not guaranteed that it is sugar or it's made with sugar but anyhow so um
0: i just wanted to just cover very briefly the uh, the amounts The amount of uh, sugar in grams or uh, in ounces, we can do that conversion pretty quickly. It's probably uh, eight ounces of sugar a day. Uh,
1: Well, yeah. 250 grams. Five to six ounces. Isn't that what you would say, Dr. Pete? Yeah.
2: uh, Some people uh, can eat a lot more, but your appetite is a fairly good uh, guide uh, if you... Are eating more than you're going to need in the long run. Once your liver uh, has enough glycogen, it tends to turn off your appetite. Right.
1: For everything, or well, just no, sugar. just for sugar. Right.
0: Okay. Because I know uh, last month uh, you outlined the uh, about eight hours for the glycogen stores in the liver to be depleted, and that was a fairly fairly rough average. Uh, that you would get from the stores so in terms of um, someone's diet in order to keep up with their sugar consumption so that the liver is adequately uh, primed with glycogen um, maybe Sarah I know because you look at at the weights and measures of foods
1: well one glass of orange juice has contains 25 grams of sugar one glass of milk contains 12 grams of sugar and um one, table, one teaspoon of sugar only contains four grams of sugar. One tablespoon of honey contains about 17 grams of sugar. So if you're just looking at, you know, sugar, actual sugar, it's easier to get a lot more sugar in fruit than it is actually in sugar, white sugar.
2: <laughs> and when you're eating fruit, the potassium and other minerals in the fruit um, really uh, bypass the whole issue of um, glycemic effect because mm-hmm. uh, the potassium itself has an insulin like action that uh, helps you uh, turn sugar into glycogen and uh, if if you ate too much it would also uh, produce fat except that the uh, presence of uh, the potassium with your sugar uh, means that it's going to Uh, not produce uh, an excess of blood sugar. It's going to keep your blood sugar uh, pretty level compared to eating starches.
0: Okay. I think the other thing that's a fairly popular misconception, uh, Dr. Pete, is that people, whenever it's uh, brought up, uh, whether it's people that we're consulting with or just people, friends and whatever, um, I think the general argument is that they defend Avoiding sugar by saying well, you know sugar in the diet will make you fat and it's bad for you It'll increase your weight but I think probably what's important to bring across from what you said is that the sugar will increase your metabolic rate and That in its own that in its own right uh, Will speed your metabolism up.
2: Yeah, and a 20% increase in your metabolic rate makes right. a tremendous difference yeah. in in How much you can eat without getting fat,
0: right? And and again, to stress the point that sugar is important so that you can, well, the right sugars the ones we've outlined, especially fructose, uh, sucrose, and to some extent glucose then. Uh, It's important that those uh, sugars be consumed rather than the sugars that are essentially in the most American diets found in the starchy carbohydrates, the pastas, the pastries, the, you know, all those kind of things, the high fructose corn syrup, um, that it's important to get the right kind of sugar so that your liver has got an adequate store of glycogen and that your sugar consumption doesn't actually turn on your fat storage mechanism by stimulating cortisol like the uh, carbohydrates do. Um,
2: one of the things that fructose does is to... Uh, protect against the fat deposition effect of of insulin. It not only restricts the secretion of insulin itself, but it uh, it sort of um, makes insulin less harmful by uh, uh, blocking in some way its uh, tendency to produce obesity. Uh, a publication that has been cited frequently to say that fructose is is dangerous because it has an uh, anti-insulin effect Uh, that was the conclusion of of this group of five researchers Uh, they gave a five-week diet only to rats and they said at the end of the five weeks those who ate a gigantic amount of, of fructose were insulin resistant they they um when given glucose, uh, they maintained um, a higher level of both uh, glucose and insulin in their blood. Uh, And the implication was, see in just five weeks, we have made these animals (laughs) diabetic. But the thing that doesn't get often cited is that uh, those animals during five weeks uh, gained tremendously different amounts of weight And if you had continued that same diet uh, for the rest of the year, the um, ones eating the starch-based diet would have weighed twice as much as the ones eating the sucrose diet.
0: Okay. Alright, for those people that are listening uh, this you're listening to Ask Your Herb Doctor on KMUD uh 91.1 FM from 7.30 until the end of the show you're invited to call in with any questions either related or unrelated to this month's continuing topic of dietary sugars and the protection and benefits that sugars, those good dietary sugars offer you um, or you can ask other questions i very pleased to have Dr. Ray Pete, a uh, renowned Expert in many ways are on the subject of uh, saturated versus polyunsaturated oils, uh, the hormones, especially the longevity hormones, um, and many many other topics. So just to name a few, we're talking about sugars now, but obviously an expert in thyroid and other metabolic uh, situations. So uh, from 7:30 on, people were encouraged to uh, call him. with any questions? Take advantage of his expert knowledge. Uh, it's KMUD-RAD, for those uh, familiar with the popular number, or the uh, regular numbers, 923-3911. That's
1: 1-800-KMUD-RAD. Sorry. And I know we <laughs> had a lot of callers last month that um, didn't get a chance to have their calls answered, so if um, you same people are listening tonight, please call in um, starting from
0: 7.30. Okay, so... Uh, I- uh, interesting fact, and uh, it's something that you've, I think, has been brought out in one of your papers. Um, why do diabetic women have smarter, larger babies?
2: Um, uh, I don't know whether last time I, I mentioned the uh, Zamenhof's experiments in uh, eggs developing uh, chicks in. in the... I don't think so. No. Um, uh, he noticed that their brains stopped growing before they were ready to hatch, uh, two or three days, uh, uh, and he saw that the glucose that was in the egg originally was depleted before the whole body, the chick, had finished maturing, Mm -hmm. and uh, he saw that the brain stopped just at the time that the glucose was depleted, and he knew from studies on mammals in the 1950s and 60s that uh, if you uh, give a pregnant animal either estrogen or insulin uh, which will lower uh, the uh, supply of glucose that their brain stops growing as long as the uh, glucose is below a certain limit so he added uh, made a little chip in the eggshell and injected some glucose right at the stage where the brain had stopped growing mm-hmm. and found that the, that caused the brain to keep growing and the chickens hatched with uh, a brain bigger than chickens had ever normally had. <laughs>
0: okay. <laughs> Smart chickens. <huh? laughs>
2: yeah. And uh, that's a general thing that the in humans uh, they see that about at six months gestation, uh, the brain has many more cells than it will have Mm -hmm. at birth. Mm -hmm. Uh, So during that, from six to nine months, uh, cells are dying rather than Mm -hmm. being created. Mm -hmm. And uh, diabetic women are able to, so-called diabetic, are able Mm -hmm. to deliver more glucose during that time and prevent uh, the death of this huge number of brain cells.
1: And, I mean, how do you feel when they give uh, women who have supposedly gestational diabetes and they, they want them to restrict their sugars?
2: Well, um, I met some, some women, um, one who had, a, 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 I think he was uh, four or five years old at the time, but her doctor had told her to restrict her sugar when she was pregnant again. And um, I asked about the development of the older boy, and uh, she said that he uh, had taught himself to read uh, when he was, I think, two years old, and that at the age of four he was wearing an adult-sized hat (laughs) and was a a very well-behaved and precocious Uh kid. Uh And I had heard many stories like that from uh, old obstetricians who... Uh, associated with the so-called diabetes but that caused me to to look up where the idea of gestational diabetes came from and it was uh, in the 60s they were uh, promoting the idea of a glucose tolerance test to diagnose uh, diabetes very early and it was out of those uh, situations uh, expanding the definition of diabetes that they uh, started noticing that uh, most pregnant women healthy pregnant women uh, tend to have about 130 uh, blood glucose uh, quite a bit above the non-pregnant normal and that uh, simply was redefined as uh, Something that is off the, the scale of normal, hmm. uh, unpregnant people, and and so they started thinking of pregnancy in terms of diabetes.
1: But that's just the body's natural response when you're pregnant is to raise the sugar so the baby has more sugar. Is that? Um,
2: yeah. One of the things that Zamenhof did, uh, to, besides adding glucose to the eggs or glycine was another thing. Hmm. It turns into glucose. Um, he. Added progesterone and found that that also uh, keeps the brain growing, and it uh, uh, helps to stabilize, make more efficient use of glucose. Uh, and uh, that glucose and progesterone work together. Uh, women with low progesterone tend to have unstable, low blood sugar, and uh, many more problems uh, with all through the pregnancy uh, mostly related to uh, ups and downs of blood sugar.
0: Okay, we've actually got a caller on the line, Dr. Pete, so sorry to, sorry to cut you short. We'll get back to Zamenhof and, uh, and what you were talking about after we take this call. Are you on the air?
3: Hello.
0: Hi, you're on the air.
3: Oh, good. Um, I. If this is not a question about my house because... I'm kind of an organic fruit and vegetable gardener, and great. But I got a lady friend who is overweight, and I knew her when she wasn't overweight, and I I suspect that she needs to kick up her thyroid a bit to, to kick up her metabolism so that she can burn that fat and. And you're saying the the doctor, the guest, is saying yeah, certain sugars would do that. I mean, she's she's pretty cool. She, she knows to eat a lot of fruits and vegetables and stay away from too much carbohydrates and all that. But uh, how I must I must have missed something. I came in late. How? The, what's the relationship between the sugars and the and the thyroid uh, being? stimulated to to uh, kick up the metabolism i'll take the answer off here. i just sure, I, okay. I, I don't quite understand that relationship
1: okay. okay thank you dr pete would you like to answer that question yeah if your diet
2: isn't providing uh, either glucose or or the mixture of glucose and fructose um, your um, liver can't activate the thyroid hormone as as fully uh, if you're living on a high protein diet and fat, uh, your um, liver will slow your whole body metabolism down, and uh, that's just as effective as if your thyroid gland had shut down.
0: Now you're saying this because the liver converts T4, which is the inactive hormone, into T3. Yeah,
2: yeah. The right. liver um, makes about sixty or seventy percent of the active. Right. Okay. Uh, Hormone,
3: okay.
2: And um, once your liver slows down, if you try to boost it just with the thyroxine, T4, mm-hmm. uh, that will tend to turn your own thyroid hormone production down. Right. Uh, so uh, if you're going to supplement, it has to be a balanced uh, T3 and T4, but often just by avoiding the things that inhibit the uh, conversion of... Uh, Thyroxine to the active form, uh, avoiding too much of the muscle meat, mm-hmm. uh, avoiding the polyunsaturated fats, mm-hmm. and um, getting enough of the prothyroid uh, nutrients and chemicals. Uh, sucrose and lactose are both uh, effective at maintaining your production of uh, thyroid active
1: hormone so to summarize that that would be limiting the amount of muscle meat means the um, steaks and burger and those types of meat
2: um, eating yes, lots and, of and th- that includes fish too
1: and fish and chicken mm-hmm. limiting those to a small portion per day or I mean, what would you recommend for an um, a l- overweight person? How much oh, meat well, a day or a week should well, they eat? Well, if a
2: person really wants to concentrate on, on losing weight, uh, using milk as their main protein, milk and gelatin, are the most favorable for weight loss, uh, partly because the milk comes with um, such a generous supply of calcium, and calcium powerfully stimulates uh, the metabolic rate. Um, and having enough salt in your food is another thing. Uh, the salt and the calcium interact to uh, stimulate your metabolic rate. Uh, the sugar in itself, the fructose in particular, uh, activates the, the, the whole range of cells independently even, but it, it activates the production of the active thyroid hormones. And apart from that, uh, these things activate cells, even if you're deficient in thyroid hormones. You can keep the activity going to a great extent with uh, sucrose, salt, and calcium.
1: So that's white sugar, salt, and calcium. And also, um, the polyunsaturates, just in case there are some listeners that haven't heard our shows and Dr. Pete's uh, discussion on polyunsaturated fatty acids, those are powerfully thyroid toxic oils, and they are found practically everywhere. They're corn oil, soy oil, canola, safflower, sunflower, hemp, flaxseed, fish oil, um, cottonseed,
0: rapeseed. Rapeseed.
1: Well, that's British jelly, but, but yeah. <laughs> it's canola in this country. Um, okay. All those different I was vegetable oil. liquid oils. Anyway. No, canola is not corn oil. (laughs) All those liquid vegetable oils are very, very um, powerfully thyroid toxic, and they block the thyroid hormone in many different locations. Dr. Pete, weren't you talking about a French study? Didn't you mention to me a French study that showed that these liquid vegetable oils block uh, your thyroid hormone in like five different places?
2: Yeah, that was a whole series of of studies that uh, showed that uh, they inhibit the secretion from the gland, by blocking the digestive proteolytic enzymes and they block the transport in the bloodstream and uh, several different places in the cells. Uh, one of the uh, protein uh, or enzymes that, that binds and reacts to the thyroid hormone it happens to be a key enzyme in the uh, response to fructose. Uh, It's activated both by thyroid and fructose. And the um, uh, key respiratory enzyme, uh, uh, cytochrome oxidase, is activated both by thyroid and fructose. Um, And the the polyunsaturated fats block these intracellular places as well as the transport and production.
1: So for your friend, um, for the last caller, for your friend. Just to summarize, (laughs) avoiding the polyunsaturated fats and replacing those with coconut, butter, and um, a little bit of olive oil. Olive oil is more fattening than butter and coconut oil, but coconut oil specifically is going to be helping your friend with weight loss, along with lots of fruits, uh, lots of milk, and some cheese for protein, and a little bit of muscle meat. Yeah. Do you have any other suggestions for
2: the caller, Dr. Pete? Oh, I'm keeping the intestine uh, happy, uh, not eating uh, too many raw indigestible foods. Um, if you have the wrong bacteria, uh, even um, supposedly good fiber like grain fiber, bran, uh, that can uh, support uh, the production of toxic chemicals in your intestine under the action of bacteria
3: okay
0: all right well we do have another caller on the line dr pete so uh, uh caller you're on the air
3: yes um thanks for the show i have a friend who swears by a uh, diabetes cure of sorts um she doesn't call it a complete cure but but it's uh 400 uh, international units of vitamin e and 1200 milligrams of uh, lecithin. Hello?
1: Hi, you're, you're on the air.
3: Did you get my question? Yes. Yeah. Okay, I'll, I'll listen off the air and, and I wonder what comment you'd have on that. Thank you. Okay, okay. thank you. Um, lecithin
2: generally is made uh, from soybeans. Uh, it could be extracted from eggs and that would uh, affect the composition if the eggs ate good food but generally lecithin is um, essentially the same as the, the polyunsaturated fats in corn oil or, or safflower oil. And and so uh, a gram or so isn't going to make a big difference, but it, it does have a, a slightly uh, toxic effect. So uh, I don't think it's... A, it, Safe. It's not very dangerous, but it's it's not the safest way to approach diabetes.
0: Okay. All right. Well, the, we've got another caller on the air, so let's take the uh, next caller. You're on the air.
4: Good evening.
3: Hi. Uh, along with your polyunsaturated um, list, you mentioned butter. Would could ghee be in-
4: included as well?
1: Um. Actually, ghee and butter are saturated fats. So um, they oh, yeah. are they are not thyroid toxic and they are very liver supportive and they would it's not the be amongst function. that yeah. list of corn, canola, soy, cottonseed, um, um, sunflower, safflower. Uh,
2: in fact, these saturated fats have they're being researched as cures for liver disease because they are so protective to uh, cells that are under attack from the polyunsaturated fats. Uh, alcoholic liver disease is being treated with uh, the highly uh, highly saturated fats such as butter and uh, waxes from palm trees and cane and so on.
1: Yeah, didn't you tell me about a study that's being done in India right now for alcoholic hepatitis? hepatitis? Uh,
2: well, I think with butter? Northwestern <laughs> University is the last I heard about it, but it started in India. And it's a man named Nanji, who I think is from India, who is in doing the most research. Um, but there have been studies in the U.S. earlier uh, showing that uh, fructose uh, protects uh, various organs um, against alcohol in pretty much the same way that it protects against diabetes. Um uh, they've, they've found that uh, you can uh, stimulate the uh, removal of uh, a toxic amount of ethyl alcohol from the body by uh, giving the person some fructose. Yeah.
1: So if someone's going to drink, then they want to have a vodka and yeah. orange juice, right?
2: <laughs> um, yeah. yeah, the fructose actually uh, detoxifies the alcohol better than oh. than ordinary glucose. <laughs>
0: We've actually got two more callers on the line, Doctor Pete. So perhaps we'll take the uh, next caller.
4: Thank you. My name is uh, Mike, and I'm uh, I- I'm interested in finding out about dairy. And um, Doctor Pete was talking about uh, sugar and proteins, okay. and he mentioned different types of proteins. Uh, and my question is, uh, eggs? I've heard or did some reading that fertilized eggs are supposed to be better for you than non fertilized eggs. And I'd like to get um uh anybody's opinion there, Doctor Pete included or uh Andrew or uh, Okay. The other person. Sarah. And uh, I'll take my uh,
2: uh answer off the air. Thank you.
0: Okay. Thank you. Cool. Dr. Pete do you have any uh
2: Yeah I think there actually could be a difference because uh, when uh, chickens are kept in tiny boxes where the eggs won't get fertilized, Mm -hmm. uh, they're under extreme stress, and uh, the stress is undoubtedly reflected in the egg. And so if they uh, have the freedom of movement that would be necessary for fertilization, uh, I think the eggs are going to be healthier.
0: Okay, stands to reason.
1: Yes, that does. That makes sense.
0: Okay, good. We've uh, we've got another caller on the line, so let's take this other caller. Yes, hello? Hi, you're on the air.
1: Yeah,
4: I want to ask, uh, (coughs) this is, um, okay, about cholesterol. Okay. Um, uh, Now, um, I know Lipitor is, like, really um, uh, being pushed around quite a bit, and I've always, I've heard that it's, like, not good for your liver, and... um, It seems like doctors are crazy to put you on Lipitor if your cholesterol is too high. And my daughter recently was told by her doctor that the the doctor is not happy with her cholesterol level. She's tried to lower it with diet. And it's not like super high, but she thinks, her doctor thinks it's too high and says, if if it isn't lower in six months, I'm going to put you on Lipitor. And I really have my trepidations about this Lipitor. And also, I've heard some controversial things about cholesterol anyway that maybe, you know, just uh, the level of cholesterol is not necessarily related to, you know, you're going to get heart disease Mm. because your cholesterol is a little high, necessarily. So So I'd like to know what you think, you know, about the cholesterol issue in itself and how much it really does relate to heart disease. And what do you think about Lipitor? Is it uh, dangerous to take or... You know, do you think per- people should run out and take this medicine to lower their cholesterol so they won't get a heart attack? Can or I just ask you
0: what, what what your daughter's cholesterol was? Do you, you remember? I, I
1: can't remember okay. exactly. Oh. Well,
0: what
1: how old is your age? how old is your daughter? Uh, she's
2: about 38. Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> there have been several studies showing that uh, lowering cholesterol by uh, any drug means uh, has pretty serious side effects that's because cholesterol is next to uh, glucose it's probably our single most important protective all-purpose molecule Um, the reason it rises during stress in a fairly healthy person is that it's our defensive molecule and it's the precursor to the anti-stress hormones Uh, It's used massively in making the steroids, uh, such as pregnenolone, DHEA, and progesterone. And if you artificially lower the uh, supply of cholesterol in the blood, you're going to just uh, proportionally push down the amount of progesterone you can make. And uh, that seems to be why it uh, causes so many disastrous effects. uh, increasing the general mortality in people who uh, are, are using drugs to push down the cholesterol. But can
4: you tell me what some of these bad effects are
2: of Lipitor? Um, uh, that particular drug, I, I don't know, uh, but uh, uh, muscle. It's
4: probably the most popular one for lowering, lowering cholesterol. Uh,
2: well, one of the things that has turned up a lot in recent years is um, breakdown of muscle, skeletal muscle. Uh, first, pains, and then uh, sometimes uh, uh, seepage of enzymes and uh, myoglobin into the blood, damaging the kidneys.
1: Well, the, the Lipitor is a statin drug, I believe. So um, aren't statins really hard on your liver, Dr. Pete?
2: Yeah, um, but, and it's it's through that effect, I think, that they affect the, the muscles. The muscles um, are destabilized if... If they aren't getting enough cholesterol uh, all of your organs including the brain suffer when when your liver isn't supplying enough cholesterol even though other cells can make it uh, the liver well, why
4: do they why are they so upset about your cholesterol being a little on the high side you know I'm not talking about really super high but you know above the level it's supposed to be healthy why are they so concerned about that as if that's going to kill you when it sounds like the medicine's worse for you
2: Yeah, there there was a study a few years ago of of older people uh, in nursing homes, for example, uh, looking at their uh, cholesterol as they aged and uh, seeing what the life expectancy was in relation to cholesterol. And uh, the longest lived people, uh, I think, were up around two hundred and eighty milligrams of Uh cholesterol. So, you,
4: so so, if it's not, you know, above 300 or so, then it's probably safer to have a little high cholesterol than to take these medicines that would compromise your liver, kidneys, and muscles.
2: Yeah, a Framingham study about 20 years ago saw that after the age of 50, people who have below 200 cholesterol are more likely to develop Alzheimer's disease. Wow. Okay. It, it's a so, very protective substance. And
4: so, so, what do you think? Okay, so it protects a lot of things, but why do they think it's so bad uh, that it's going to give you a heart attack and um, a uh,
2: uh, well, There are some good articles. Uh, Chris Masterjohn has one. I think I have one on my website. Uh, well, I don't have a computer, I don't do the
4: internet thing. If oh, you could just quickly say
2: something about it. Um, it, it was uh, basically developed as a way to sell drugs. And, and products and it um, never since the 1930s it's been known that uh, hypothyroid people are susceptible to many diseases including heart disease and that hypothyroidism is the basic cause of increased cholesterol because uh, cholesterol uh, has to be converted to progesterone under the influence of of thyroid hormone, so if you're low in thyroid hormone, your body increases cholesterol to keep the progesterone production going. Well,
4: my daughter actually takes uh, thyroid. She's supposed to. She apparently has thyroid. Well, isn't. maybe
1: she needs to take a T3, T4 um, drug called ThyroLar. She's probably only taking Synthroid or or Levoxyl. Uh,
2: the yeah. the metabolic rate is a mirror image of the blood cholesterol level so that uh, when your metabolic rate is below normal your cholesterol will defensively rise above normal and as you increase your metabolic rate your cholesterol will come down as a mirror image but doctors have uh, disregarded the effect on the metabolic rate and they prescribe only uh, the inactive part of the thyroid hormone, and very often people stay hypometabolic despite taking thyroid.
4: Okay, one more quick question about the sugar thing. Um, uh, now, uh, are you saying that, uh, that sugars, even white sugar, I know that chyprocus corn syrup isn't so good, but fruit sugars from fruit and fruit juice are it, and, and even white sugar is okay. But the bad thing is like white flour, white rice, white white pasta, white uh, carbohydrates, uh, what they call the simple carbohydrates. You say that's the real what what is the more worth, more bad for you. So let's say if you eat sugar in let's say a good ice cream, uh, is that that's better way if you're going to eat sugar than in let's say a pastry or something with flour in it. Voila.
3: Yep. Definitely. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, there it's it's
4: the not head. necessarily sugars that people should cut out, but um, it's the refined carbohydrates that, that they need to lower
2: uh, to lose weight. And Yeah, the starches and the polyunsaturated fats are the main culprits in fatness. Uh-huh.
1: Okay, thank you very much. And another thing I wanted to mention about the um, cholesterol is, think of the cholesterol as a bandage because, Dr. Pete, you told me about a study that the Japanese came out with showing that actual arteries are blocked up by polyunsaturated fats, all these vegetable oils, and the body bandages it over with a cholesterol plaque.
2: Uh, Yeah, yeah, the unsaturated fats are very reactive with oxygen and the bloodstream is where there's the most oxygen for them to react with. Uh, The saturated fats... Uh, that we make in the liver, if we eat too much sugar and uh, are low thyroid and have high estrogen and high cortisol and such, we might have high triglycerides, but these made in the liver are saturated mm. and they happen to be protective to the heart right. um, so the The thing is to uh, avoid the the things that cause the um, distorted Uh, blood lipids not to try to lower the the lipids themselves but to remove the cause
1: right so look if someone has high cholesterol try to find out what's causing that if it's low thyroid get that treated we can um, talk to you more about that maybe on the next show but I do have the engineer has a question Dr. Pete she wants to know what you think of Splenda and all the artificial sweeteners
2: well that Splenda I think is the one that has chlorine In the molecule, and that exposed to bacteria, the bacteria can break down the molecule and liberate things in the family of organic chlorine compounds Mm. like uh, Mm. uh, chloroform related uh, toxic substances. So I wouldn't uh, want my intestine exposed (laughs) to Splenda. How, how, How
0: about stevia? It's pretty safe. Yeah, because I hear they're actually wanting to take it off the market in America. I think it's maybe getting too much of a foothold as a safe alternative. And uh, I saw some press release about the FDA um, and some controls. They want, it to, they want to basically crack down on it. I couldn't, couldn't quite understand it. It seemed, uh, seemed a bit too bizarre. But Okay, well, there we are. Um, Sarah, do you have anything else?
1: No, I think that's it. So um, basically, all those, those, sorry, well, all those artificial sweeteners, Doctor Pete, you'd recommend to our listeners that they avoid those.
2: Yeah, uh, sugar is so much more nourishing, <laughs> Thank protective. You.
0: Thank okay, you, Dr. Pete. Okay. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Dr. Pete. I just want to let people that are listening know how they can reach you or how they can read more about your research. Uh, we've been joined by Dr. Ray Pete, uh, endocrinologist and research scientist. Uh, he has a website. It's www.raypete.org. Oh,
1: gosh.
0: Dot com. Oh, gosh. I keep saying <laughs> that. I'm sorry. I need more thyroid. Okay. repeat. dot com. Um, and there are lots of articles uh, on his homepage, and uh, all reference scientific articles.
1: And that's spelled R A Y P E A T
0: dot com dot com. <laughs> okay, um, so yeah, once again, thank you so much for joining us, Dr. Peaks. Okay, Pete. thank you. And uh, for those people uh, who have been listening, um, we can be contacted uh, during normal business hours, Monday through Friday, and nine to five. Uh, we have our phone number is. Uh, you want to get out the regular toll free free, there you go
1: if you want to call toll free it's 1-888-926-4372 and that stands for wbm herb for western botanical medicine herb or you can call us on our local number 707-986-9506 we look forward to hearing from anybody and everybody with any further questions about this show or other shows we've done in the past thank you for listening
0: Yep, and for those who tune in this evening and to those who have ears, let them hear. So thank you for joining us. And we'll see you next month when the clocks will be going back and it'll be dark on our way into the studio until April. So uh, get the fires burning and get yourselves shut down for some recuperation. We'll see
1: you November 19th. Thank you for listening.
3: Support for KMUD comes from Pacific Justice Center, where Attorney Mel Perelson offers 30 years of experience in marijuana defense on the North Coast. To schedule an appointment for initial consultation and case analysis.
5: Please remember that this program is supported by the listener members of Redwood Community Radio. If you like what you hear, please consider becoming a member of KMUD or renewing if you've already joined. A regular yearly membership is $50, but we accept any amount. Help us keep free speech alive. Please remember that this program is supported by the listener members of Redwood Community Radio. If you like what you hear, please consider becoming a member of KMUD or renewing if you've already joined. A regular yearly membership is $50, but we accept any amount. Help us keep free speech alive. Please remember that this program is supported by the listener members of Redwood Community Radio. If you like what you hear, please consider becoming a member of KMUD or renewing if you've already joined. A regular yearly membership is $50, but we accept any amount. Help us keep free speech alive. Please remember that this program is supported by the listener members of Redwood Community Radio. If you like what you hear, please consider becoming a member of KMUD or renewing if you've already joined. A regular yearly membership is $50, but we accept any amount. Help us keep free speech alive. Please remember that this program is supported by the listener members of Redwood Community Radio. If you like what you hear, please consider becoming a member of KMUD or renewing if you've already joined. A regular yearly membership is $50, but we accept any amount. Help us keep free speech alive.